Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and... May your landing in Costa Rica this evening be safe and uneventful. Thank goodness we did not have a snowstorm this morning. How about you, Sarah Ellen? Mm, hi, Susan. So nice to hear your voice. Uh, no snowstorms here either. 
Um, clear good, weather. Good. Nice, sunny clear time. weather. Yeah. Clear weather, no snow. So, wow, we did it, Justine and I finished the um, <clears throat> chronic pain with seven medicines. It's about 80 <laughs> three- to five-minute videos, <clears throat> and it covers a lot. And this weekend we went out to talk to people involved with cannabis. Ooh, how fun. Yes. Yes, it's such good pain release that I wanted to spend a little extra time on it. So there's a little bonus within the course of uh, some nice interviews about using cannabis for pain relief. Meanwhile, I have found another butterfly. Now, she's a little bit young, but okay. She's Mm -hmm. a mere 87. And her name is Mary Ann Wakefield, and she made a 94-foot putt at the University of Mississippi at the halftime um, of their uh, game. And uh, the interviewer said, well, you must be quite some serious golfer. And she said, well, actually, I didn't know how to golf until after, uh, after I retired. And then my husband taught me. And uh, my game usually just fell apart when I got to the green. But I could hit the long shots pretty good. Um, my my son-in-law uh, uh, thought I was kidding when I said I wanted to try it, but I just sound, signed up for it. Uh, and, and how did you hit the ball to the hole? I just I couldn't see the hole at all. I closed my eyes and said, Lord, it's up to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Mary Ann, for being a butterfly for us all, and also from uh, Reader's Digest from a couple of uh, years ago, uh, Pucker Up, 13 Things You Probably Didn't Know About Kissing. When we kiss, we are actually kind of figuring out how healthy our partner is. 59% of men and 66% of women say they have ended things after a bad kiss. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Fewer than half of the 168 cultures that have been studied engage in romantic kissing. However, chimpanzees and bonobos do it. Hmm. And bonobos even use their tongues. Interesting. Wow, half. <laughs> Surprising. That's such a big number, half of 168. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it is very intimate but um, and telling. I agree, definitely. Um, so, But interesting, I would have lost. If, you, if I had to guess that, I would not have gotten it in three tries. <laughs> <laughs> is it a kiss or an osculation? Is it necking or making out? Is it tonsil hockey? <laughs> when it comes to spelling out the sound of a kiss, most opt for N, M, W, A, H, Germans, however, say schmatz. Greeks say matzmut, and the Japanese say chu. Hmm. 
A single kiss involves 30 facial muscles, and kissing burns 2 to 6 calories per minute. A very passionate kiss can burn 26 calories a minute. <laughs> it, would, it, it will take two weeks of solid kissing to work off that box of Valentine's Day chocolates. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. <clears throat> There's a couple that lives in Thailand. And they <clears throat> canoodled for 58 hours, 35 minutes, and 58 seconds. Mm. However, they aren't the mm. only ones who take smooching seriously. Thanks to filamentology, the scientific study of kissing, we know that most people tilt their heads to the right when they kiss. Hmm. That's curious, too. Don't you remember wondering as a teenager, oh, well, well, when we kiss, how do I know which way to turn my head? (laughs) (laughs) Should have read Reader's Digest. Should have. (laughs) American films made between 1930 and 1968 were not to include excessive kissing. Hmm. Hitchcock got around this in his film Notorious by having Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman kiss repeatedly, but intermittently their lips never touched for longer than three seconds at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. about that one um, William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols playing Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Uhura um, kissed in an episode of Star Trek in 1968 and the producers uh, wanted to film a second version without the kiss in case some stations wouldn't air it but oh, Shatner wow. and Nichols Flubbed their lines, forcing them to use the original take. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Any public display of affection can get you arrested in Dubai and frowned upon in China. Even the French outlawed smooching on train platforms to prevent amorous passengers from delaying trains. Hmm. King Henry VI of England banned kissing in 1439, hoping it would stop the spread of bubonic plague. Hmm. The kissing disease, mononucleosis, is only one of several conditions you can catch from a kiss. In most cases, swapping spit actually boosts your immunity. Smooching someone new, you're exchanging tens of billions of microbes. Long-term partners share a common microbe mix from all their years of kissing. And these protect us against infections and allergies. Huh. Isn't that cool? So 
So listen up, Valentine's Day tomorrow, the day when you are allowed to celebrate kissing. So let's celebrate kissing, especially in the winter, as an immunity, immunity aid. Love that. Mm-hmm. Why does an X mean a kiss? It has to do with sealing with the kiss. When most people couldn't sign their own name, they would seal it with an X and then kiss it. So the X became the kiss. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's sweet. I did not know that. <laughs> wow. So how are you celebrating Valentine's tomorrow? Well, I said to one of my favorite people, put your hands together and then open them. And you could do this, too, because you're one of my favorite people. So put your hands together, palm to palm, and then open them, and then start spreading them apart. And spread them apart as far as you can get them. Are your arms stretched way, 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 way out? Way, way, way out. That's how much I love you. Oh, I love you that much back. That's so awesome. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Mwah. 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 M-W-A-H. Mwah. That's right. So what's up at your farm? Oh, we have been really just basking in the nice weather. It is coming to an end, though. It's starting to cool off a little today, and we might get a tad of snow tonight, but it's just been so amazing. It, it feels like full-on spring. I mean, I'm seeing, like, the yellow in the willow trees. Um, the goats keep taking turns going into heat and blowing coats. It's just been Real interesting. So, yeah, just having fun playing outside. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of maple syrup being made as we drove through central New York State, through farmlands. Unfortunately, we saw a lot of abandoned barns. Of course, we saw the same thing in Italy when we were driving through the countryside in Italy. Many abandoned parts. The farm, perhaps not abandoned, but the the keeping of the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting to see. Because that mm. New York State has always been a big dairy region. We passed a craft uh, cheese factory. Wow. Yeah. Mm. There's no big road between um, where we live and where we were going to, so we really got to see a lot of small roads and small towns and countryside. Hmm, sounds like a beautiful road trip. Yeah, Justine says that it will take her a while because she's now, as I just said, headed back to Costa Rica. She'll need to settle in there and start uploading from there. It's slower to upload the videos Mm. there and then to get them in order because even if we film them in order, and you know... We don't. 
because they mm-hmm. say, oh, I want to go back to this and add this, you know? Mm. So it takes her a while to upload them and then it takes her a while to get them in order. Sounds like a big, big, yes, undertaking. So even <laughs> though we have completed the course, that's just at the front of the housework. The back of the housework still remains to be done, but we will let you know. And what else I did was I went to Happy Life and I took Justine and a couple of other women and I said, you have to help me find the shirt for the Red Clover Goddess. And we're kind of walking around in the store and looking at stuff and one of the women, Lori, who was there, went up and said, where are just the plain shirts? And they said, oh, they're out there around the corner, da, da, da. And I'm holding the the canvas of the Red Clover Goddess. And we walk over there, and the very first shirt that we see is the shirt for her. Oh, what? It's a radiant magenta heart. Oh. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh. This is it. So I'm going to be ordering the shirts. And I'm going to be ordering um, a mix of shirts. The mediums and larges seem to sell the best. So I'm going to be ordering mostly those. And then a 1X as well. But I'm not going to order anything larger than 1X unless you tell me you want it. Hmm. So I'm going to ask that in the next couple of days, if you want a 2X or a 3X or anything really big, you let me know and I will be able to order it. If you don't get it to me, um, probably it's going to take them a little while to do it, so I could probably add on to the order. I think I'm going to order 100 Red Clover shirts. So we had that to look forward to, as well as the Red Clover Conference. I am so excited by all of the things that we are going to be learning. We're going to be learning, of course, about medicinal uses, but also magical and metaphysical uses of Red Clover. Mm. And we're going to be learning about traditional uses and folkloric uses. And we're going to be learning how red clover relates to the soil and to insects and to animals because her relationships to those parts of life really, I think, help us understand her. So I'm really thrilled that we have presenters that are going to be sharing that with us. Me too. Oh, me too. Yeah. And Nicole went out to talk to the shepherds, right? Mm-hmm, I believe Nicole, who presented, um, Wool died with Comfrey at the Comfrey Conference, and who presented Wool died with Hypericum at the Hypericum Conference. Because Red Clover is not used much as a dye, although it does have tannins and will stain your clothing if you spill it, like black tea will. Um, she thought it would be interesting to talk to the people who create the fiber about how red clover plays a part in that. Mm. So some, you know, old and familiar faces, Eagle Song 
and David Hoffman, through all this, you know, it finds himself in places where where people are laying down the law so he can tell us, you know, just what happened and how this came to be. And, of course, the the theme of the conference is making sense of phytoestrogens. So we're really going to focus in on that. Brigitte Mars, the author of 23 books, including The Sexual Herbal, and um, what is it called? Ode to Nettle, Nettle, Nettle Love, something like that, a wonderful whole book about nettle. Um, will be with us to talk about her experiences and, and what she knows about red clover. And on and on, it's just it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, May 1st. Yeah, so next up for me is to call all the presenters and do short interviews with them because we always have um, little, um, I mean, really short, like 30-second pieces from the presenters at their page. So not you don't just see a bio and read about what they're going to present and see a photograph of them. You push a little button, you get to hear their voice because I think mm-hmm. it's especially important to connect with people's voices um, mm-hmm. and, as well as their presentations. And then start, um, well, not start, because you've already gotten a good start on it. Finish up setting up all the the live Zooms for mm. the conference. So we know who's going to be there, but we don't know in what order yet. But keep hanging out. And I know we haven't officially opened the gates on signing up, but there'll be some interesting changes and surprises when we do. And don't worry, you will have plenty of time to do everything you want to do and get to the Red Clover Conference. Okay. Okay. Wow. I don't even know. Wow. I'm excited. (laughs) 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 Well, we uh, have a tarot reader to talk to tonight. Yes. Yeah. And that is fascinating to me. Not I was trying to remember when I first heard of the tarot. Because one of the questions that she suggested that I ask her was, what do you do when someone says they're afraid of tarot? And that made me think, wow, have I ever actually met anyone who's afraid? Like, what was what was my first experience? I remember as a fairly young child, certainly going to school, so maybe eight or nine, using a Ouija board. Mm. But I certainly don't remember anything um, about Tarot at that time. Nonetheless, by the 70s, I was quite conversant with different Tarot decks and different styles of working with the tarot, and knew the man who put out the, I think it's a three-volume set now, the Encyclopedia of Tarot, and he included uh, both my completed tarot deck, which I did with other people, the Amazon tarot, and my uncompleted tarot deck, the Transparent Tarot, which I was doing by myself. Mm. Yeah. So I went deep into tarot. 
So it would be really fascinating to hear what Teresa Reed, the tarot lady, tarot expert, astrologer, teacher, and author, who's been reading tarot for over 40 years, has to say to us. She's the author of The Cards You're Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real, as well as a dozen other books. So she'll be with us at 9 o'clock. That's East Coast time. Stick with us till then or come on back so you can hear what Teresa Reed has to say. Anything else you want to share with us, Sarah? Uh, uh, no, thanks. It's been, it's been pretty quiet here. Just been enjoying a nice early spring feeling here. That's all. Oh, goody. I guess we should open it up for questions then. All right. Well, I see two hands that are already up, and I'll remind everyone that if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, all you need to do is press 1. That will allow us to see your hand go up, and we'll know you have a question. I'll announce your area code when it is your turn to be live. And um, with that, we will go to the first hand that has pressed 1, and you are calling from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Thank you, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. Hi. And happy birthday, uh, goddess of the red clover. Goddess of the red clover. Hooray for trifolium. <laughs> Somebody saw me walking with the, with the red clover goddess and said, oh, what a pretty chrysanthemum. Aww. And I said, she's trifolium. Look, she has three leaves. And they said, oh, so she does. She also has a funnel, doesn't she? I'm not sure what you mean by a funnel. Oh, the floret? Floret? Uh-huh. Isn't uh-huh. it like kind of trumpet shape? Like you would need like a hummingbird beak to get in there or something? I mean, not um, really, because, you know, it spreads apart, it, it, but... Clover flower. It looks like a small pea flower or a small bean flower. But yes, it's exactly and there's many flowerettes. Like pea or a bean flower. Right, and there's a bunch of little flowers that make up the whole thing, right? That's right. That's right. And in the red clover goddess, That's she... Funny. She has a robe made of the flower heads and a headdress made of the individual flowers. It's very pretty. Oh, I bet that smells good, too. I had so much red clover until the drought a couple years ago, and because of my bad foot, I couldn't put any water out. So it it all disappeared. But the little patches came back last year, and this year I expect it to be glorious. Yay! Isn't that funny how things just come and go? Yes. Yeah. So I called because you mentioned cannabinoids, and I know it's a great pain reliever, especially because of its anti-inflammatory properties. And I've been trying to understand this for a while, Um because there are other plants that have cannabinoids in them, like the daisy family, like the uh, echinacea or echinacea, um, the 
even things like cod liver oil. But aren't there two receptors and one is for the spine and the other one is for I don't know what. <laughs> but so one of the there... things one of the things that I believe and one of the things that I was talking to people about was that um thinking about THC and C B D and the cannabinoids as being the active ingredients might work if you want to make drugs. But in terms of pain relief and what's going on in your body, it's the terpenes. Well, I believe that. And because they taste the best, they smell the best, and the well, feeling is obvious. You walk in on the water. Terpenes are different. <laughs> the terpenes are different from strain to strain. Yes. And it depends on which particular terpene profile. I think of cannabis, whether it's uh, cannabis sativa or cannabis indica, and there's not really that much oh, yeah. difference. Whether it's high in CBD or high in THC, and there's not really much that much difference. Whether it's hemp or for flour, and again, there's not really that much difference. Although at the ends of the bell curve, of course, there's a huge difference. There, it's like cannabis is like a key that fits everyone's receptor in the endocannabinol system. But the terpenes, which are different, if we extracted them, they would be essential oils like humulene and limonene and carmenline. Um, there are just a lot of uh, different terpenes the exact terpene profile is like the piece of the key. That's interesting that they all end with E. So we'll always... I-N-E, right? Most of them, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Azuline, the one in chamomile. Well, I was just so curious about... As we learn, you know, about ourselves, which particular terpenes seem to work for us, it's easier for us to use cannabis wisely. But are they tapping into our cannabinoid receptors, which I believe there are at least two, if not more? I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure there's... This system, the endocannabinoid system. And what I'm saying is that the macro things, the cannabinoids, are a key that fits everyone's receptors. Uh Uh-huh, right, macro. And terpenes individualize the key. Oh, yeah, okay. So that's the difference, yeah. It's sometimes known as the entourage effect. That's probably why some people say, eh, you know, I don't know if it's for me or because they're not getting the good stuff. Exactly, and that was one of the things (laughs) we were talking about is that there are a lot of different varieties and you are going to get very different effects from different varieties. Box of tea or fresh And that's also, I think, true of the earth that relieves pain. Yeah, me too. Right? Is it going to be California? Old and stale. It's going to be 
app? Is it going to be Philopendula? There are really different kind of, you know, ways that we relate to the pain-killing herbs, and they don't all work for everybody. Also, as we know, less is more, and what was fascinating to me was that very few of the growers smoke. Really? They rub it all over their bodies. They have special machines um, to get the the terpenes into an inhalable form uh, without the tars and the resins. They... um, They do all kinds of things. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very interesting, um, the ingenuity that comes into play in getting cannabis because it is so um, easily uptaken by the body. But what what are your ultimate, what what is your ultimate... uh, say on anti-inflammatory properties. Is this one of the best or not? In as your far opinion? as I'm concerned, the best anti-inflammatory is Linden. Really? Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I do I like it. Huge, I think it's so tasty. Of Linden. It's so tasty. It's so tasty. It's incredible. Right. And it's so easy to harvest and to find. It's it's one of my second favorite things after red clover that you've ever taught me. Ah, <laughs> yay, Lyndon. Flower power, Susan. Flower power, you betcha. <laughs> well, alrighty then, and I love you. Ah, uh, thanks so much for calling to wish me a happy birthday. Love you too. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Green blessings. All right, and I'll remind everyone, if you have a question this evening and would like to speak live with Susan, just press 1, and that will allow us to see a hand go up, and we'll know you've got a question. At this time, I see two hands that are raised, and the next is dialed in from the 603 area code. From the 603, you are live with Susan. Thank you, Sarah Ellen. Uh, Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, 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 Susan. So you might remember um, my friend called in last week about um, the dog that has an injury, the left leg from running around and uh, pulling something and she needs surgery. Do you recall that last week? Well. He's not here, but he asked he asked me to call you because I'm going to be caring for the dog, and I found out that the dog is going in on Monday for for the surgery. I thought it was like a couple weeks away. One moment, please. And anyway, um, was there anything else that that um, he wanted to know? If there was anything else, um, he he told me that you told him about the comfrey tincture. Um, and I to did put not say tincture. I specifically said infusion. Oh, no. No, that's my, that's my bad. I'm sorry. Infusion and to give it in goat's milk, right? Did I get that right? You can, if the animal is reluctant to just drink the infusion, 
adding some milk of any kind will often encourage an animal to drink it. Great. I certainly did not specify goat's milk. You I use goat's milk. How come I use goat's milk? Because I have dairy goats. Well, is it true, Susan, that the goat's milk is more easily digested by humans and by animals? Than cow's milk? If you can get fresh raw goat's milk, but you can't. Then there's no... If you're keeping the goat yourself, then yes. But if you're not, it's probably not going to be, like, tastier fun. And I don't even understand why anybody would want to buy goat's milk unless they're buying it from somebody who's producing it. Like, I would never go to a store and buy goat's milk. Yeah. If I'm... At the store and I have to buy milk, I'm buying grass-fed organic milk from a cow. Exactly. Now, years ago, I used to live in a, a different state, and when my cho- I brought up my children on, on, um, on goat's milk, and they have no allergies. But that was directly from a, a lady who, who raised goats. Exactly. But, yeah. So, it, was, uh, it was fresh, raw goat's milk, right? But it's right. very, you know, it's very difficult to get it to market. Yeah, I, I just went to her house. She was a, a, a exactly. she became a close friend, and it was wonderful. Um, I haven't been able to research that yet, um, so I'm not my. Um, she's not too. Some too animals will just drink the comfrey infusion, and that's all you have to do. Others some need people, to have some milk added to it. Oh, so he. So he should just try give, trying the comfrey infusion in an eye dro- in an eyedropper. How big is the dog? I, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that word. How big is oh, the um, dog? It's it's a Havanese, so I. Um, Ten pounds, a, twenty pounds, fifty pounds, a hundred oh, pounds. I would say um, under twenty. Pounds? Oh gosh, I should, I sh- I need to ask him. Under twenty um, pounds. Okay, so possibly, maybe, maybe possibly, less. what I ge- generally do is put some comfrey infusion down on the floor and let the animal drink it. Okay. This animal can do that, right? Okay. So, and and if the dog will not drink that, then I, uh, if he doesn't then, like it, then add some milk to it and see if the dog will drink it. Okay, so those are okay. I'll um, I'll have I'll suggest that to him. And um, in the times when animals are so injured that they can't drink in the normal fashion, but it doesn't sound like that is what's going on in this case. Does oh, it? oh no, 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 I, not at all. But I'll be caring for the dog. So now another another question. Um, uh, uh, we both have because I'll be caring for the dog. Um, I thought he wasn't going into surgery for a couple weeks, but it's actually next Monday. Now, what um, is this comfrey good uh, before and after? Um, it won't interfere with the surgery at all. Those are my. Those were his questions, and I don't know how to answer them, so I'm passing them on to you because I need to know too. Because I'll be caring for the dog. Did I lose you? No, I just I, I just never quite know how to answer this kind of question. I don't know either. 
And it's not because I don't know what the answer is. It's because it makes me want to scream. Yes, no, just please tell me more because... The fear and the paranoia in this kind of question are so really annoying to me. Yeah. So my my friend James Duke, when asked this kind of question, would always say, compared to coffee, this plant is safer, as safe, or less safe. Yeah. Well, he's the one that's that doesn't know have any he he's the one who's scared and i don't want to do any you know what i mean so i'm passing this on he's really scared he says well i don't know if it's gonna that's what i just said that's what i just said fear and paranoia in that question make me want to scream i'm sorry i know i i hear you i so that's why I, that's why I was quiet, getting myself together, so okay. that I could talk to you in a reasonable, loving, kind tone of voice, rather than. Um, I hope he didn't. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. It's All not right. like I need to know anything. Comfrey is symphytum, which means to bring together. Yes. Comfrey draws bones back into their configuration. I told him yes. about my 21-year-old cat who was yes. run over by a car and whose pelvis was broken into 20 pieces on x-ray. And uh-huh. that we fed her comfrey and milk and did Reiki with her. And that within three months she was jumping up on tables. Okay. Okay. This certainly does not sound like harm. No. And what about after the surgery? Where and in fact, it sounds like, and of course, they were suggested, she was suggested that she had surgery. But I knew that surgery was so traumatic. I mean, this is one of the things that is irritating to me about this kind of question. It's like, you're going to put your animal into surgery, which yeah. could kill your animal, and you're worried about free. Yeah, now that was my question to you. I, I hope I didn't interrupt you. If 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 he was if he, if I were to if we were if he was to de, were to delay a, the surgery, is it possible Comfrey could heal it without needing surgery? Absolutely, definitely, without a doubt. Really? So the surgery might be unnecessary. So you know that I broke my wrist in Costa Rica. Yeah. I didn't actually know whether it was broken then because it was hours and hours and hours to an x-ray. So I treated it with comfrey. I drank comfrey. I pulses it with comfrey. And after about three months and I was home, I said I wanted to do physical therapy, and the physical therapist insisted I get an x-ray. And the person who took the x-ray said, well, you didn't break your wrist three months ago. You broke it three years ago. And I said, no, I didn't. So that's how fast the bone remodeling was. He said, and it's set a little crooked, so we're going to break it and screw it and plate it together for you. Oh, my. And I said, I will talk to the physical therapist about this. Okay. And he says, if you don't do this, you'll have arthritis. And I said to the physical therapist, I think if I let them do it, I will have arthritis. And she said, you're absolutely right. Half of the people that I'm treating here, I'm treating because they have plates and screws in their bones. Okay. Okay. So I have a fully functioning wrist, which can support me in a handstand. Wow. And if I let them screw and plate my wrist together, I wouldn't be able to bend it and support myself on it. Okay. Is it picture perfect? No. Did Comfrey heal something faster than it should have? What a strange question. Uh huh. So I wonder how long it would take. Working with the native intelligence of the of the body, the body knows how to do that. I may have also told him about Eagle Fong's son, who was in a motorcycle accident, smashed his ankle up. The doctor said, oh, your ankle really needs the, you know, screws and plates and wires, and we're just going to have to, like, do a lot to get this back together again. It's in, like, a dozen pieces. But it's too swollen now, so you go home, and two weeks we'll work on you. And he went home and drank comfrey infusion and poultice with comfrey, and he came back in two weeks, 
And when he came out of surgery, they very sheepishly told him there was nothing they could do because all the bones were in their correct place. In two weeks it healed? Yes. How often does one have to drink the comfrey infusion to heal it so that they don't need surgery? needs to be what the animal is drinking. It's not a drug. No, no, I mean... Um, it's not something you can take a little bit of, and it works for hours. You have to keep doing it. So just offer him, have it out there all the time, no Correct. water, nothing else. Correct. Correct. Oh, wow. And he might not be in situ like my cat was so injured that she couldn't stand up and drink. And so we were and she would only weigh two or three pounds. And so we were giving her comfrey and milk by eyedroppers because that's what we had to do because she couldn't manage it on her own. Okay. Okay. But Eagle uh-huh. Son certainly wasn't taking it by the eyedropper full. Yeah, yeah. So drink as Neither much was as I. You know, I drank whatever the nourishing herbal infusion was of the day, and in addition to that quart of infusion, I drank between one and two cups of comfrey infusion every day. One and two cups. So for a, a dog under 20 pounds. So for pounds, a 20 pound, you know, pup, again, you can let animal decide for itself. Put it yeah. out as a drink and let it drink. Now, do I need to keep uh, ice cubes in it to keep it cold so it doesn't go Is it a really hot climate? Is it going to be boiling where the animal's water dish is? No, um, we're, we is live in New England. Sunlight? Is it we on a hot in... place? No, what I mean is I don't leave my infusions. When I, when I drink comfrey, I don't leave I know lots out. of people who leave them out and get them room temperature because they don't like them cold. Oh, Okay, I thought, because sometimes it would go bad. It would have an off flavor, so I didn't... And how old was it when that happened? Um, Probably, oh gosh, a a day or two. Correct. So you want to change it every day. Okay, okay. And so I can leave it out of the refrigerator for a whole 24 hours. Is that what I hear you saying? Ouch. Change it according to I, what I, what you heard me saying was a whole bunch of questions which you didn't answer at all. I'm sorry. Uh, I asked you if it was hot. I asked you if it was in the oh, sun. No. I right. No, I asked no. you a bunch of stuff no. that you just ignored. Oh, I'm sorry. I um I'm in the car and someone is driving me and it's a little noisy. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Um, in New England and the house is probably not more than what. 72 degrees. So I don't understand why you're thinking it's going to rot. Okay, so I can leave it out for a whole day. You can leave it out for a reasonable amount of time in a cool place, not in direct sunlight. Oh, no. Use good sense. Use good sense. It'll be in the kitchen. Boil it. Don't put it on something hot. If it smells bad, switch it out like you would do okay. with anything. Okay. Now, is there anything else I, c- I could provide for the dog uh, before or after surgery, before the comfrey, or is that, is that all that you you suggest? Comfrey is an excellent thing. It will be very useful both before and after the surgery. 
because it draws not just bones together, but skin and ligaments and tendons, and it will help okay. the dog heal after the trauma of the surgery. Yeah, and and I did hear you say earlier that in two weeks it could heal to avoid the trauma of the surgery. I mean, to avoid the surgery because the surgery itself can cause arthritis and all kinds of problems. That's what I heard you say earlier, correct? But if I can't um, tell him what I found out, that's, you know, from... That, that yeah. is what happened with Eagle Song's son. Yeah. That he went back and they opened up his ankle and they said there was nothing we could do. We didn't need to do anything. The bones were all in the correct place. I did not say it was fully healed, did I? Oh, no, the bones were in the correct place. I said the bones were in the correct place. I said that my cat, who had her pelvis broken into 24 pieces, was able to jump up on a table after three months, yes? Yes. So in this case, I don't So that I don't means know. that the bones had re- gone into their correct places, yes? Yeah. And Obviously, then- if she was jumping, her pelvis must have been structurally sound. I said that when my wrist was x-rayed, they said the amount of bone remodeling made it look like it was a break that was three years old. Because it had had done so much healing. Because it healed that fast and that well. It healed it fast. um, Really, really fast, right? Twelve times faster than usual. So, so um, the thing to be afraid of is the surgery, not the comfrey. But exactly. people have their own belief systems. Yep. And it is very difficult to in any way change a person's belief by facts. Yes. And I have my own belief system, which is different from his, um, but I can share because you have so much, so much knowledge and experience with all these animals. So you're saying it's going to be a week from now. What would be reasonable is to say to this person, you know, in many instances the bones can reestablish the correct pattern within a week or so. Has he been giving the dog comfrey since we talked last week? No, he didn't have any, and I was all out, and we, uh, we, we, we have it now, so I can give it to him now. If, mm-hmm. uh, but you know what? I realize well, It's that, reasonable um, to suggest another x-ray before the surgery to see if the comfrey has helped. Okay. Um, well, now, I want again to remind you... Mm-hmm. that in working with the cat, that it, energy work, Reiki, was also done. Okay. And that I, of course, used visualization, right? Yes. So it's n- herbs I, are not drugs. They are not just going to yes. have... Oh, I a, told them that. We just, yeah. like, apply this herb and this is what's going to happen. No. No. It, the intention, magic, if you will, some, the unseen ingredient is important as well. Yes. Now, exactly what was what he did to his leg? There's somebody here who knows what exactly did, did he say that Angie actually did to the vet? They actually did to her leg. I I, I could 
makes no sense at all of what you were saying. The CCL was severed. Does that mean anything to you, Susan? The CCL was severed. I don't know what a CCL is. What's a CCL? In humans, it would be ACL. In humans, it would be the ACL in the shoulder? Uh-huh. In the, in the leg. In humans, it would be the ACL in the leg. And what did the vet say uh, was the, oh, and was the this, was this, was this a mechanical injury? Or was it a traumatic injury? For instance, I was knocked into a, a set of stairs, and the ligaments and tendons that supported my right shoulder were torn loose. Yeah. That's a traumatic injury. I reestablished full use of that shoulder using nothing more than comfrey, even though they wanted to reattach those things surgically. So if that's the kind of injury you're talking about, yes, comfrey can help reestablish that. If it has been mechanically severed, I don't know. He wants to tell you more what, what the vet says. It was what? what did you I don't especially want to hear what the vet says. I want an answer to my question, please. Is, was it mechanical or traumatic? It was, it was severed completely. And, and in, what, in what manner was it severed? Did someone take a knife to the dog? No. Did the dog it run was, into a lawnmower? No, it was... Injury to so it was a traumatic injury. Well, while, uh, while running around, Susan, is what he's saying. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Comfrey will completely heal traumatic injuries, even if ligaments and tendons have come unattached. So I have complete and full use of my shoulder. They told me that if they did surgery, that I would have 85% use of my shoulder. I got much better results without the surgery. And I'm not alone. There's an entire Comfrey conference. Please go watch the Comfrey conference and listen to person after person. Tell the kinds of stories that I'm telling you. There's nothing to be afraid of. And Comfrey puts things back together again. Give it a couple of weeks. Go back for another x-ray. See what it's looking like. Don't believe me. Believe the X-rays. Okay, Susan. I did. I, that was a question that I had for you. Um, I attended the the Comfrey conference, and you said we can go back any time to listen to it because I signed up for it before it cost anything. But I, I so you go to wisewomanschool dot com and you log in, Carol. I I just go to the wisewomanschool.com dot com and log in. And log in, and I don't remember what you my login is. You signed up for the Comfrey Conference. You had to create an account, and you log into your account. Okay, I'll see if I can and do all that. And the, all the courses that belong to you are in your account. Okay, I'll, I'll have to do that. Well, okay, thank good. You for, thank you, Susan, so much for all of your time. And, You're um, welcome. Your You're welcome. Comfrey well, truly well, is. A miracle. And I don't blame modern medicine. They only know what they know. But we have so much better ways of dealing because 
we don't fix things, we heal things. It's really different. Yeah, and, and this vet is only deals, deals with medicine. He's never studied herbs, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not that there's anything wrong with what he's saying. That works too. It just doesn't work as well as comfrey. And it also is dangerous, you know, like you explained, you know, earlier. It's dangerous. There are so many risks and so many other problems that can result. But with comfrey, it, my understanding is it can heal completely uh, with if you believe it, that it, you know, that it will work and maybe try other things. But surgery itself is, is dangerous. It's, it's so much trauma to the body. Is it, am I well, saying actually, it right? actually, there was a very famous study done with shoulder surgery oh. in, which, in which people had agreed to be in this study in which half of the people who went in for shoulder surgery, they actually wheeled them into the operating room, they put them out, they cut up on the shoulder, and then they sewed them back together again and did nothing else. And there was as much improvement in the placebo group as there was in the group that actually had operation. Oh, my. Well, you know what? Well, you know, belief is what healing is all about. But if you think that you have to believe in herbs for them to work, you're wrong. Okay, well... Comfrey is going to work whether you believe in it or not. The reason that I'm suggesting that he see or visit or watch the Comfrey Conference, especially the shorts, is to hear person after person talking about their experiences. There's a woman, um, notably, who talks about she was in an accident and she had her foot on the brake and it just, you know, totally ripped her, shredded her ankle. And she refused surgery and healed her with comfrey. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, okay. so long as there's not a mechanical, you know, metal object that severs a part of you, if it's a trauma like that accident, right, no matter how traumatic comfrey seems to be able to go in there, straighten things out, pull it back together again, and make it strong and functional, in my personal experience, stronger and more functional than if I had let the doctors doodle around with me. Yeah, so do I understand you correctly? Because she did, she did this, whatever injury she did, which you understand better than I do, because I wasn't there. She broke she her ankle. I wasn't there either. It's at the comfort A young puppy. She was running with a young puppy who she runs with all the time. But this dog... How old is that? Ten years, ten and a half now? His dog Let's is ten and a half. Let's not go over it again old. because other people have questions. Okay, so thank you, thank you so much. And what, you, uh, what you called it was a, a trauma injury, not a mechanical injury. Did I get that right? Right. Somebody didn't okay. take a knife to her. No, she wasn't no, shredded by a machine. Not it's at a, all. It's a traumatic injury. It's been severed by an internal force, and that internal force can pull it back in. Okay, I got, it, I got it. Thank you for right. explaining it so well and for your patience with me. Okay? You're welcome, girls. Love, love you. Love bye. You. Green blessings. You. God bless you. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and it looks like there are two callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. The next caller is dialed in from the 415 area code. From the 415, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Heather. Hi, Hi. Heather. Hi. Which 
Heather is it? Is it a Heather I know? Yes. <laughs> I was um, a Live Out Apprentice for, with you. Um, ah, okay. Good you remember to hear. me? I do. Good to hear from you. Oh. Well, oh, so nice to hear your voice. I mean, I listen to this quite your podcast quite often, um, but it's nice to talk to you person to person like this. Yeah. Um, I'm calling because I harvested um, lots of burdock um, <laughs> seeds, and I wanted to talk to you about how I could use them. So I know I want to make an oil, um, and I'm wondering, or I, I just wanted to hear, like, how you've crush the seeds before making the oil because I, I think I need to do that is to kind of break the seed before I pour the oil on it. I have a collection of smashers. Mm-hmm. So I have a cast iron smasher. Mm-hmm. It's got like a like a big egg cup, mm-hmm. and it's got a, a smasher that fits right into it, and the bottom of the cup is ribbed, and the bottom of the smasher is ribbed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, it's got like a wooden thing on the top to help you hold it, and you can really smash up things with that. That's that's a, a little easier than a mortar and pestle because seeds mm-hmm. tend to fly around. around. Yeah. Right? Mortar and pestle Definitely. is a crusher, yeah. but it's a little hard with seeds. Mm-hmm. Easiest is my coffee mill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, my little electric coffee mill. Yep. Which I use to smash things up. Okay. And then I also have a variety of hand grinders. Mm. Once you okay. get into grinding things up, you get fascinated with all of the ways that humans have ground <laughs> things up. Because it's a it's a common human thing to grind stuff up. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing the different coarsenesses and the different ways that we mm-hmm. figured out to do that across cultures and times. So it's an excellent question. Okay. Thank you. At, at a conference, um, I saw a very large mortar and pestle. Probably, the mortar probably held like a quart of material. I mean, it was big. It had wow. a big, heavy, like brass pestle in it. And it had a cover the pestle was permanently inserted through the cover mm-hmm. so that you could grind up things like seeds and barks because they didn't have electric coffee mills. All they had was apprentices. <laughs> so that was like a custom <laughs> grinder. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yes. Uh, we were all in awe that it always get, gathered a little group of people going, oh, yes, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I'd like to make quite a bit of the oil, and so 
the grinder, the coffee grinder seems like efficient, probably the most. Um, it is certainly the one I reach for most. Yeah. And I have used that to grind. I've used a coffee grinder before to grind like seeds and things. So yeah. I don't know why I hadn't remembered that. Um, okay. And then what? I want to ask you about eating burdock seeds. Do you have any experience? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't see anything about like eating them. Is that, are they too, is there something about them that's just not pleasant? To well, eat? if they're too bitter, you, you'll find that out right away, won't you? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> and that's yeah. about the only reason I could think to not eat it since every other part of the plant is edible. And mm-hmm. do you know what family burdock is in? Asteraceae. Okay. And it's in the thistle subgroup. Okay. And is there an herbal medicine that uses seeds in this group? Um, well, when I was researching burdock, I saw milk thistle seed. Milk thistle seed, there you go. And globe artichoke seed is also used. So these seeds from the thistle subgroup of the Asteraceae family are well known for their medicinal properties. And I think that it's true of all the seeds in this tribe and that the reason that the milk thistle seed gets the press is that it's a big, big plant. I mean, I've seen leaves on milk thistles three feet long at the base. It's a huge plant. So it makes a lot of big, biggish seeds, which are fairly easy to harvest. Oh, yeah. Okay, that we makes sense. Cause we burdock... can't say that for burdock now, can we? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> and the other thistles are smaller. Mm-hmm. Right. But I let yeah, the thistles grow in, in my pasture. Uh, the goats actually like to eat them, but the ones that do get to flower, they always bring the cold finches. The finches mm-hmm. love the thistle seeds. Okay. Oh. Well, this, I uh, when I was doing my research, I, I have both. I didn't realize until I read this, I'm like, oh, yeah, but there's kind of like these two types of burdock, the one that grows really tall and then the more, like, one that's a bit shorter. Um, Those are the two primary types, Arctium lapa and Arctium minus. But they're actually more um, differentiated by the clasping leaf on the minus. Hmm. Okay. So because, the one that, because the lapic, while it can get really big, in a really poor environment, will stay small. Hmm, okay. All right. And yeah, so size, these were all from, like, size smaller never plants. Size, other things being equal, is not enough to differentiate a species. That a particular way mm-hmm. that the leaf okay, does or doesn't clasp the stem could be. Okay. So maybe it's the same. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, these are shorter. Do you have a Peterson's Field Guide? The Peterson's Field Guide has a little arrow yeah. pointing that particular feature so you can look at burdock there and you'll be able to see pretty clearly the difference. 
Okay. And, there, and medicinally, there's not considered to be that much difference. Again, the lapa is the one that's usually used because it's bigger, easier to grow. Okay. Okay. But minus um, is inferior despite its name. It's negative minus name. <laughs> okay. Right, no, someone once said, semi-precious stones. Do you suppose they wake up in the morning and go, well, I'm just semi-precious? <laughs> no, I don't think so. She says, no, you are all precious, every single one of you. There's nothing semi about any of you. And we all okay. laugh. <laughs> um, my last question was, if if I don't use, if I'm not able to use all of them, could I freeze them and, and use them, like, at a later date, possibly? That's a really great idea. You sure could. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, cool. Well, because they they will get buggy if you don't freeze. Yeah, I read that yeah. in the book, so I was like, okay, well, what if I if I put them in the freezer? That will kill any of those. That's right. Bugs. And then keep. Okay. All right. Okay. Yay! Well, thank you so much. You okay? Thanks for your call. Yeah. Glad to hear from you. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. Green blessings. Green blessings. And it looks like we have two new hands that are up, and we've got about 17 minutes. So we'll go to the next caller in the 252 area code. And the 252, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Jennifer. Nice to talk to you tonight. Um, Hi, Jen. Hi. I'm going to go back to Comfrey, if I could, um, on Friday morning. I fell off a ladder. And I landed, yeah, square straight on down on my left heel. And I immediately started putting comfrey oil on it and icing and doing all of those things. I I did not visit a doctor because everything in my gut said that this was a tissue thing and I didn't feel like, at least by 24 hours, I don't think I had a fracture of any kind. So I began doing a really intensive sprained ankle kind of protocol and um, I just thought I'd chime in on the comfrey thing um, because I was going to talk to you tonight about like maybe the best way or am I missing anything and should I be doing anything and you all just have addressed so much of what I, I had concern about. But the thing that was the discovery for me that I'd like your thoughts on and to share, you were talking about how much you should take and people thinking like how much should you take and I was probably two days out before I could actually get together enough to cut the comfrey and make the infusion. I was using oil and ice, and it was working well. But I then started wait, wait, taking wait, wait, wait. the Wait, cut the comfrey and make the infusion? Yeah, I mean, I had dried comfrey hanging, and it was in the other room, and I couldn't get to the other room. Wait, I, I had to I cut understand. it. First. You had the dried comfrey, and you had to cut it up. Yes, I, yes. Okay. It was just <laughs> awkward for me to try to get anywhere, even into the next room, because I was pretty I, got I was pretty it. Angry. I totally understand. So two days out, I started actually on the infusion, and um, the it was the magic. I mean, it was like, I, I don't even know how to describe it because something completely changed in my healing process. I mean, completely changed in, it was the magic. And I had never really experienced, and then I had that kind of understanding of, oh, it's not how much. It's just about, and then I started thinking kind of allopathically, it's about keeping a certain amount of this in me in order to allow that healing to continue to happen. And I don't even know what really is happening, but it's happening. It is, but it is happening. Yes, right? Whatever's yeah. happening, yeah. it's happening. 
Yep. And I, you know, I use it on animals. And it was, you know, interesting that you all were talking about animals. And I've used it for um, healing oral sores. It's really very effective. And in, in an olive oil infusion, and it, it, the animals usually don't mind the taste of it. Um, and I've seen it kind of, you know, what it's magic before. But I don't think I've ever really felt what happens with that magic before. And it's been a, I mean, I don't want to bust my ankle, but it's been an enjoyable experience in learning. It's really been something. So I really I have see, you've seen it work for others, and now it's worked for you, and so you have the experience. And it's not just like something, some drug is being put on there. There's an actual inner feeling of healing that occurs. Yeah. Oh, oh, very directly, and and it's not. You know, I use a lot of herbs. Comfrey is very specific in the way it seems to affect you. Um, yes. And, and people are terrified of it. I was at the Comfrey Conference, and everybody I talked to, you know, does a huge pause. I'm the one that called in with the director at Extension that made us pull it out of a children's school because if they touched it, they were going to die. I mean, it, you know, people are crazy because this is so easy, grows almost everywhere with benign neglect, and it. It, it really goes across the spectrum of health. It, it, it cures and heals so much. But comfy the comforting. Once yeah. you Once you get past your fear and once you let comfrey in and start using it, you never go back. It's like, wait a second. And I love that the conference ended with Heather saying, without comfrey, I have no quality of life. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was so stirring like to me. My husband is exactly like that. He is a 30-plus-year survivor of brain cancer, and he had a lot of radiation. So he had cranial spinal radiation, and the muscles in his, along his spine are just deteriorated. They, they had radiation, a lot of radiation. And so he's been using Comfrey on his back. He can walk. And without it, he was going to be unable to walk, no doubt. Um, yes. So it, it, I've seen that level of impact with it. But the internal experience of the infusion and the healing was can, – can I ask one other question? I'm watching some of your stuff just to get myself back up to speed with the rebrew and was I doing it correctly. Um, I saw reference to short-term memory and brain cell development. Can you speak to that? I don't remember hearing much of that at the conference. There are amino acids, proteins, in comfrey that are critical in forming short-term memory. So by drinking comfrey, it's entirely possible that those proteins can improve short-term memory. I would say that my biggest concern about the surgery was that they were going to put me way out and that that can have consequences for your memory and your cognitive functioning. And that was kind of scary for me. And, in fact, they put me way out for 30 hours. And my memory is great. And I put at least part of that to my long-term use of comfrey. Oh, Interesting. Sure, you were really resilient, and you had so much of the 
building blocks in you. Exactly. Exactly. Because I had every reason to be totally addled after being completely put out for 30 hours. When I came to, they had me on, like, uh, you know, opioids dripping into my veins. Yeah. yeah. Right? Which I totally addles your brain. So, you know, and I certainly was hallucinating and images were, you know, beings were appearing to me. It was really quite the time. And yet, as you put it, and I agree with you, the resilience that I had built into my system. And I think last week I talked about um, Arlene, who is one of the healthiest lifestyle that I know of, who had a heart attack. And she, like, kind of caught it and went. And they said, ooh, good thing you came in or you'd be dead because there's really a massive heart attack you're in the middle of. And they kind of quelled that, and they put in a stent, and they discharged her from the hospital. They said, you're so healthy, we don't even really need to keep you. Wow. That's what we're building. We're not making ourselves bulletproof, you know. still happens. Or as one of my apprentices made a bumper sticker that says, shift happens. (laughs) (laughs) With or without the F. (laughs) That is a much better description of it. That's good. Yeah. Right, shift happens. <laughs> so it's always going to happen to us, but when we're working with the nourishing our infusions, then we have the flexibility, and comfrey is the queen of flexibility. She is what makes things strong enough to stretch. Well, and I've been propagating it for the sheep, I, you know, in the garden, the compost. It, it, it yes. is very abundant, yes. and it's applications throughout our lives. So I was just, you know, I'm so familiar with it and was so shocked about how I could tangibly experience the the change in my healing with the infusion. It really wow. was amazing. Yeah. So with the dog, I mean, if she's still listening, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's just no reason not to continue to put that into there. If, if, one of the things that I do with the animals to get them to take it is to take wet food, whatever their wet food is, and slurry it a little bit with whatever I want them to take. And so that's a way to keep them going, you know, gobbling down, but they're actually getting the medicine that you want in Right. Because it doesn't have to be like a quart of comfrey infusion. You could put like a quarter of a cup of comfrey infusion yes. into their wet food, and it would really... And you do I'm that three also... times a day. And... Yes, exactly. And I've also uh, heard people say they mix it in with the dry food. They warm it and mix it in with the dry food, so they have oh, kind of a, well, like that, a yes, that, yeah, like a warm, wet kibble. I would think that would be a great way to get it into livestock. That might be a very good way to get it into livestock. Actually, the best way to get it into livestock is feed them the herbs. Do the oh, oh, sure, yeah, of course. It, uh, open the well, bag. Would you like some comfort? Yes. Yeah, yes, you're right. I'm thinking in terms of, you know, doing in treatment. They have humans. They can really go for it. <laughs> yes, they would, they would love to. <laughs> well, and that, that's my primary expansion crop right now. Is I, I have, I've put a, a, a little line of comfrey all around their paddock. Uh, of course, the, go- the goats would easily be alcoholics, I think, if you left oh. them. They love the tinctures. When they see you come in with a tincture bottle, they, like, start licking their They're lips. <laughs> Well, it was great to talk to you, and thank you for sharing all this information tonight. I think there was another caller. I don't know where we are on time. I think so, so I bet I'll have a chance to talk to that last caller. Thank you. Dream blessings. Good night. You too, Susan. Good night.
All right, and to that final hand that is raised in the 908 area code. In the 908, you are live with Susan. Yes, hi, Susan. It's Carol. Hi. Hey, Carol. Hey, good, good. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy it, Valentine's it, Day. I love you. I love you, too. Yes, coming tomorrow. Oh, did you say in the beginning what special things you will do for tomorrow? Um. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just lay around and eat chocolate. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. How oh, great. Oh, uh, well, so I, I, what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to go over to Justine's house, and I'm going to empty the refrigerator. I told huh? them they, they didn't have to worry about dealing with the refrigerator or the trash that I'll haul everything they don't want to waste because they're not back for three months. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and then I always walk on Wednesday with a vet, so I'm definitely going to be doing that, and then usually have a yoga practice on Wednesday. Oh, and first thing tomorrow morning, I have a Zoom session with um, the Correspondence Course and Mentored students. Oh, busy day. So that's going to be a fun day, and then as I mentioned, just in my finished um, a new course, and I have to go, while it's still fresh in my memory, to the yeah. outline and add things that I added to the course while we were filming to the outline. So she has something to follow to put it in order. And she also said, I would like this and this from you. And I promised people um, an updated list of anti-inflammatory foods and herbs. So I'll be working on that oh. as well tomorrow. So a, a few things to keep me busy. And, of course, um, I, like you, I do my best to love people every day. One of the the things that Justine's been doing while she's here is going to visit the mother of one of my granddaughter's friends. Oh. And that woman had two daughters, one of whom was friends with my granddaughter and another um, also teenage daughter. And the other daughter was uh, hit and killed on the road. It was hit and run. We have no idea who did it. Oh, no. And she's just like totally, of course, totally freaking out. Who wouldn't? Yes. And, it, you know, we look at each other and we say, if you love somebody, tell them you love them. Do not wait for a day, yes. one day out of the year to do it. Tell them all the time. Tell them every day because yes. no yes. one knows what's going to happen next. Yes. Share the love. Be the love. Spread the love. Yes. Oh, beautiful, beautiful message, Susan. Um, that that anti-inflammatory food list, um, is that something that you would put on your website or was that just for some specific It's going purpose? to be part of the um, chronic pain release oh, through okay. the seven medicines course, yeah. Oh, and okay. it's, I think it's, it's probably... Um, it's probably at the mentored site because I've been working on it for a while. I started working on it when I was doing radiation because I wanted a list for myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh, um, there's a, certainly in Abundantly Well, there's a, um, quite a few things that if they're not the list of anti-inflammatory foods, there's a lot of things in that direction under radiation and so on. Okay, very good. I can check that. Um, and then... Um, in your COVID materials, you have two different, post-COVID, you have two different, one is a free um, talk and the other 
Is that a paid one, a COVID, long COVID course like? What's your question? Yeah, the question is, I thought that you said you had two COVID, um, say, lectures on the website. There's a a COVID course that Justine and I created early in 2020, probably February of 2020, and it's free. Okay. I'm thinking of... And, And so that's... You know, you can find it by the date, or you can just look for it. And then last year, during our February work session, we created a course on post-viral syndrome. And if you've had COVID, that post-viral syndrome is known as long COVID. And the thing that, if you're not experiencing it, can be kind of confusing is that it sounds like it's just COVID that goes on and on, but in fact it's not. It's Mm post-viral syndrome. And it's more, it's not so much in your lungs, it's more of a nervous system and cardiovascular system problem. Right. So that's yeah. why it, it was necessary to have a different course for the post-viral yeah. syndrome because it's a whole other way that we have to think about it and deal with it. And I put it in the perspective of the other post-viral syndromes that we know about. Okay. So it's not and just just long COVID. If if you have like some people have post viral syndrome after they've had mononucleosis, um, yeah. it's sometimes known as chronic fatigue. Mm, yes. So it's you yeah. know it's something that's been known about, and we're hoping to um, give a broad enough spectrum of information for everybody to be able to choose the things that are really going to work for them. We have, what, about 30 more seconds to talk. Okay. Uh, Very good, Susan. Thank you so much. And how do you access that post-viral syndrome course? Post-viral syndrome. You got it. Just type it into SusanWeed.com. You can, or you can go, as I said, to WiseWomanSchool.com. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Love you. Love you. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye to Carol, and welcome to Teresa. Teresa Reed, also known as the Tarot Lady, is a tarot expert, an astrologer, a teacher, and the author of a dozen books, including The Cards You're Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real. Teresa Reed has been reading tarot for over 40 years. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Hey, Susan. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I was very um, triggered in wonderful ways by your questions because I asked myself those questions. I said, well, Susan, when did you discover Tarot? And I couldn't really, I couldn't remember any, like, it kind of crept up on me. How did you discover Tarot? Well, I discovered it when I, I, I like to say it happened by accident, but you know, there's no such things as accidents <laughs> when it comes to things like finding your life path. I was a curious teenager and uh, back in the day trying to figure out who am I. And I happen to have the good fortune of having a friend whose mother was an astrologer. 
uh, which was really unusual because we lived in a rural area. And she did my astrology chart. And I was, like, totally fascinated by what she told me. And so we were at a bookstore in the mall on one of those very rare trips when we got out that way. And I went right, of course, to the metaphysical section trying to find astrology books, and I saw a tarot deck. And I just picked it up on a whim. You know, I'd seen it on television, and I thought, oh, this this looks cool. And so I took it home and opened that box, and I was just fascinated. And that was over 40 years ago, and I've had a deck in my hands ever since. I just fell madly in love with it. And what was your first deck? Oh, the first deck was the Marseille's deck because <laughs> that was the only deck that was available in the store. And that, by the way, that is a hard deck with. So that was all that was there. Yes, that's not like and, a really intuitive, obvious deck. Oh God, no! God, it was ter- it was terribly hard. But you know, I was so determined, and I'm stubborn as can be, and I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And then I think it was a couple months that, later. That must have been, that must have been so um, wonderful for you because it really made you mm-hmm. have to enter into the cards. Yes, you had to work. You had to do the work. You had to really want to learn. And, you know, back then there were, we didn't have the Internet. So, I mean, anything around that, the information was hard to come by, especially living in the area I did. It was a couple months later when I happened to be in that bookstore again, and I saw a Rider Waite Smith deck, and I grabbed that. And, of course, that's an easier deck to work with because it's Yeah, it's so visual. So then it was a lot easier, but I already had my background in the Marseille. So for, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, we believe that Tarot pretty much started out like what you would consider playing cards. And meanings were attached to the cards. Like you might say, oh, the Queen of Spades or the Ace of Hearts. And then Pamela Coleman Smith really switched things around. And she drew the meanings on the cards. Yeah, and that made it much easier for people who are visually oriented to interpret them. And, you know, she added so much life and flavor in the images. And I am a very visual person. So for me, I mean, the Marseille really works my analytical side. Uh, but that, when I had the right away Smith deck, I was like, this is it. This is so beautiful to look at. And there's so much there's so much in those images too, and some of them look simple, but when you look in there, you can see things you might not even notice, even though you've been looking at the deck forever and ever like I have, I still see new things in them. They're just incredible. I believe that Pamela was a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn. Yep. Which was a she group was. of people devoted to Exploring esoteric things. Yes, so she, and the Golden Dawn is influenced by that. Symbols that at her disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like she opened Pandora's box on the tarot. 
She did because, you know, like you mentioned, it started out like playing cards. It was a game. In fact, tarot still played as a game in many parts of the world. And um, it wasn't until, you know, Jean-Baptiste Oliette uh, wrote a book on the divination aspect of tarot that it became associated with that in the 1700s. But and that made it more popular. But when Pamela Coleman Smith and Waite put out that deck in 1909, that's when it really got popular and became more associated with divination. So what do you think? Is it, it, Can you, like, read things from tarot? I think so. I think tarot is a tool. I really do. I look at it as a tool, kind of like those ink blots. When you look at them, there are universal symbols. And you don't even have to be a tarot reader to understand some of those symbols. A child can look at them like a picture book, and they might see an image of the five of wands and see, oh, it looks like people are fighting or they're playing a game. So they have all these universal symbols that portray our day-to-day life and our spiritual life. And what a tarot reader does is we lay them out, and we look at them pretty much like a picture book and then try to intuit what story are these cards trying to tell me about this situation and where does it look like the story is going? And from that point, we can determine where things are headed. But even when we see where things are headed, it doesn't mean it's set in stone. We always have agency, and we can make different choices if we don't like the way the story is unfolding. I like that a lot. The other thing that I really like about tarot reading is that while you can certainly read tarot for yourself, ideally, I think it is an exchange between two people. And there's a very great intimacy in it because it's a situation in which there's a deeper level of honesty given and expected. Yes, I agree. I like to say it's like a two-way street. Tarot isn't just me sitting around telling you this is what it says. You know, every time someone comes for a reading, they're looking for information, and they're also looking for a safe space to be witnessed. So there's a lot of back-and-forth dialogue, and I think the cards are actually, by the way, wonderful for opening up dialogues, too. If you have trouble speaking about a topic, take out those tarot cards. You're going to start talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And especially because, as you say, the images are purposely ambiguous. Are they playing or are they fighting? Mm-hmm. And it's only in the context yeah. of the other cards that they're there. And to meet and to really understand people that, at least in my experience, that maybe I ordinarily wouldn't have um, if you're walking around with a deck of tarot cards, like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said, what do you do with those tarot cards? And I said, I read them. And she said, good, do a reading for me. I'm like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And yeah, I think, you know, like, wow, okay. like, I wouldn't have had that, I wouldn't have had that intimate exchange with her if it mm-hmm. hadn't been for the tarot cards, which give us a reason, give us an excuse, as it were. They're instant conversation makers. Yeah. Yeah. So 
do you use the same deck all the time or do you switch around? So I have too many tarot decks. <laughs> like most people. <laughs> you cannot have too many tarot decks. Is he possible? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean. You have too many baskets. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're kind of exploding around here. There's, you know, for myself, um, I'll I always have when I used to read for the public. I don't read for the public anymore. I just write books, but I always would use a Rider Waite Smith deck, and you know, or a Rider Waite Smith clone. Like the Wiser Tarot is a deck that I love. That's what I would consider a workhorse deck. Is a Rider Waite yes. Smith deck, and the reason why I would use that when I read with the public is because most of the public, when they think of tarot. They, they think of that deck, images. and so they, yeah. yes, so it, that is like, it's it's easy. But when it comes for myself, you know, I have other decks that I like to use. My absolute favorite deck will always be the Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot. That's my deck. No one gets to touch it. No one gets a reading from it. It's my deck. Um, and then there's sometimes where I just feel like, you know, I'm sick of looking at this right away Smith deck. Maybe I need something different. Maybe I need to grab this you know, Connolly tarot, or maybe I want to look at a Marseille tarot, or maybe I want this newfangled deck, the Abstract Futures tarot. So I'll switch off every so often. But in general, if I'm going to be reading for somebody else, it's always going to be a Rider Waite Smith clone, always. I think this is partly because any system of divination that we're going to use over and over again depends uh, actually on minute differences. Mm-hmm. And we can pick those minute differences up more easily if we use the same deck. We're not so I distracted agree. by the, the fan, although all the, the fancy stuff is fun. And yeah, you know, they, they certainly, you know, like in even in the past 50 years, the proliferation of tarot decks has been phenomenal, partly because it is a, 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 a handy. People like the card mm-hmm. thing. So we're talking about intuition. Do you think intuition has a role in tarot? Absolutely. I think it has a role in, in tarot, and I think it has a role in astrology too, because tarot has a structure. And, you know, it's got 78 cards. It's got the majors, the minors. It's got the courts, all of that stuff. So there's a structure. And understanding the structure of the tarot is really important to being a good reader. However, much like the structure in a house, the structure is where, you know, things are built on. This is the solid foundation. But the intuition is like the interior design. The intuition is what makes it beautiful, what tells the story, what feels out how things go together. So, for example, if you and I had the exact same cards, we asked the exact same questions. We're still going to get a different reading because the the job of the reader is to really feel out how does the story go together for this person and that really does require trusting your instincts. Somebody once said to me, there are only two stories. You leave home, stranger comes to town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a so 
so many ways to talk about intuition. Mm-hmm. Intuition is really, really important, and so many of us deny our intuition. We think we're being weird, and it's like, well, wait a minute. If I'm feeling something, I probably should pay attention to this. There's probably a good reason for it. What I have heard from many people is that it's difficult for them to distinguish between free-floating paranoia, chronic anxiety, and intuition. And so we once asked Jean Houston, hey, Jean, what's the difference between a shaman and a schizophrenic? Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, that's very easy. She said, both of them see visions. And uh, both of them are not totally in this world. But the shaman will always offer ways to create greater wholeness. And the schizophrenic will break things apart. Oh, interesting. I think the thing with intuition is that, you know, Again, we we get these feelings, we get these insights. And I know that for me with intuition, it's not coming from a place of anxiety. It always comes from more of a place of gentle knowing. Now, that doesn't mean that fear-based intuition isn't real. There's a book by Gavin DeBecker called The Gift of Fear, which I recommend to everybody. And in that book, he talks about how sometimes we get these really funky feelings about people that we know something's really wrong with them, but then we want to be nice, and then we put ourselves in harm's way. So, you know, oftentimes, again, for me, intuition is just kind of like I got that feeling about something. But I've had occasions where I've had a really creepy feeling, and it's turned out to be true, and it saved me from danger. So, you know, fear can sometimes be intuitive. And there's a difference between fear-based intuition and just plain, straight-up fear and anxiety. It's a very different feeling. When I'm feeling anxious about something, my my intuition goes right down the toilet. That's pretty much the answer I give, too. I say, well, really, you can't be confused because they're really exclusive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For me, to be intuitive, I I need safety, at least an interior sense of safety, and um, that safety allows me to be more relaxed and more open to nuance. Mm-hmm. And anxiety does the, the opposite. Yeah, when I'm anxious, I'm going to overanalyze everything. I'm going to overanalyze, and now I'm in a very different headspace than when I'm sitting and just allowing an information to flow into me. That's a very, very different kettle of fish. Yeah. So... I think it's only thinking about it that we can really confuse them as actual, you know, physical, emotional, mental states. They're pretty clearly different. Once we've experienced that calm sense of intuition, which even if it's get out of here now, is still from a calm place. Yes, absolutely. That is 100% true. Um, I, I've known, like I said, whenever I've been in situations that have not been good for me, 
I, it's always just that feeling like, you know what, you need to get out of here, or this person is not safe. And if I just listen to it, I always find that it works. It works. Um, intuition wants to protect you. It's just like when you see two dogs walking down the street. The dog will instinctively know if the other one's friendly or not, and you'll see it when you'll see them maybe snip each other or maybe the one they start, the hair starts standing up on the back of the neck. That's intuition. Intuition is an animal instinct that we all have, and it will protect you. It will guide you. It can help you. I also think that many people say that they aren't in touch with their intuition for the very obvious reason that they're not willing to listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because their intuition is saying to them, this job is is killing you. You need to leave yeah. the relationship, right? And And there can be other considerations that make it hard to hear that. Yeah, and, and often those uh, situ- that could be because, you know, they don't want to let someone down or that maybe they're afraid if they leave that job or that relationship. The the unknown is really scary, so oftentimes people will ignore that. They'll ignore their intuition. And they'll stay in situations far longer than they should to their detriment. Well, let's not go too much further before you tell people how they can find you if they want to connect with your books or a reading or tell us what else we could find when we connect with you. Thank you, Susan. The best way to connect with me... Let me correct there. I think you said you're not doing readings anymore, but I was not totally clear about that. Oh, yeah, no, I don't read for the public any longer, but I always tell people, listen, if I'm ever going to open up the books again, um, you could just sign up for my free newsletter, and then I'll let you know. But right now I'm retired. I've been retired from doing tarot readings for a couple of years because I'm writing books. And I've written a lot of books in the last couple of years, and I'm doing a lot of teaching. And, you know, they can find everything over at my website, thetarolady.com. Um, that'll show you access to live classes I teach. I have a Patreon account where I do regular classes uh, and card of the day interpretations. You know, I have a lot going on on my website, a database of tarot card meetings, and day, uh, monthly astrology, free astrology and horoscopes. And you can find all the information about all the current books on my website there. So everything's at that hub. That is always the best way to connect um, and that's where, you know, people, again, can sign up for the free newsletter, and that's the best way to stay in touch and to find out about what books are coming up, what classes are coming up. And, again, if I ever open up the books again, which is kind of doubtful, but you never know, that's going to be the way people will know. <laughs> yes, it's interesting. I said to my tarot mentor, Jujana uh, Budapest, at one point, I said, you know, find that I keep putting off the tarot readings I promised and she said you must quit now ah uh-huh. yeah and I did and I, and you you're right I have not done a reading for anyone since I put it down how long has that been it's very interesting to see see that you know that reluctance in me and that's part of the intuition too isn't it yep is, Your it, intuition it, was telling you. My intuition was saying, eh, don't do it now. Do it another day. 
<laughs> and fortunately, you know, I was mentored to not to harass myself, but to go with it. So listen to that. So, so um, the your latest book is the cards you're dealt. Had a deal when life gets real, like the title. Tell us about it. Thank you. That first of all, the title. My son gets credit for that. My son is very clever, and he came up with it. I'm like, oh my god, it's perfect. It's a book about how to read tarot for really heavy situations like grief and loss and, you know, divorce. Uh, because I think a lot of people have a misconception that uh, tarot reading is all about, you know, will I find the one? And it's like, you know, actually when people come to a tarot reader, a lot of times they're trying to unpack some really heavy things and it's the only safe place to go. So I wanted to write that book to give people information so they could see how tarot could help them but also to offer tips for professionals so they don't inadvertently cause harm when they're doing readings when people are coming with these serious topics. Tell us a little more about that. How could harm be caused? Well, harm can be caused, for example, um, sometimes, you know, people will want to talk about grief, and one of the things that happens is not just tarot readers, but in general, we get very uncomfortable talking about that. Nobody wants to talk about grief. It's not a sexy topic. And so what we'll do sometimes is we'll say something like, well, everything happens for a reason. And that does not help the person who's sitting at your tarot table, or if you're using that with a friend or loved one, it doesn't help them. What that does is it creates an ending to the conversation. We cannot go deeper to really work out what we're feeling. And so that's one of the ways we can cause harm in a reading, by just cutting it off when we get uncomfortable or if we say, you know, oh, I, let's move on, let's move on. And I've been to readers who do that where you can tell they're getting uncomfortable with something that I need to talk about and they want to dismiss it, they want to move past it, they want to get to, you know, something else that feels safe for them. And we want to really make sure that the tarot table is a safe space for people but they don't feel dismissed or like shedding tears or anything is a bad thing. It's all a natural part of life. Which means we must work on ourselves. Yes, absolutely. We must be in we, our range of comfort. We must be able to be comfort, comf- not just comforting, but comfortable around pain. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it just means witnessing people as they are and not judging it, and that is such an important thing. I I always like to think of the tarot table as a very safe and sacred place. I mean, over the years when I read for the public, people would come to me with all kinds of stuff. I mean, things you would not think. Um, sometimes I'm even telling anybody, but they felt really safe, and it's like, yeah, this is a place you're not going to be judged. Let's just work with this. Let's help you. Let's look at how we can move through this in the best way possible. So I, I, love, I love using tarot in that way. It's not just for divination. It's also really a great place for working on complex emotional things. Yes, I absolutely agree. For me, tarot was always a way into the 
the soma, into the somatic experience of being embodied, mm. mm-hmm, which, is, mm-hmm. which is not just physical and not just emotional and not just spiritual, but a strange kind of amalgam of all of those things at once. And Tarot really mm-hmm. does that. It's like a visual image that causes an emotional reaction that is connected to symbols that are soul symbols around the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I'm also a big-time journaler, and one of the things I've loved using tarot for in my own practice is pulling a card and just journaling about it, journaling about what I'm feeling, what I feel about the card, what's going on with my life, all of that. And it's amazing. It really helps me to sort out a lot of how I'm feeling. And later on, I'll go back and read those journals. And I'm just amazed, first of all, at Tarot's ability to stir those insights and to help me process things. Uh, I think journaling is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And Tarot can be a great tool for that. And I talk about that in the book, by the way. All right. The cards you're dealt. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I loved this particular question. What's your advice to people who feel scared of the tarot? I always tell people they are only 78 paper cards. There's nothing scary about tarot. They're a tool, and like any tool, it all depends on the intention of the user. So if you are using them to help yourself and for good, you're going to be just fine. But if you're taking like a hammer, a hammer can be used to hang up a beautiful picture. It can be used to like damage that wall. Like anything, you can use it for something negative. But on its own, it's very, very neutral, and it can help you. Just use it wisely. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, – well, I think the scare is that it's – it is part of the list of things that certain, um, and I think of them as Christian, um, people think are evil. That somehow the Tarot is um, backward religion, that it's a devil religion rather than God religion. But what mm-hmm. you're saying when you say neutral, I believe, is it's not a religion at all. No. And, and that's why I say they're soul symbols. They're not religious symbols in the Tarot. They're soul symbols. They are from the collective yeah. unconscious. They're things that will, will remind you of your connection to um, truth and beauty and the reality of life, which is the card you're dealt and it's great to have plans, but that isn't necessarily what you're going to, okay, well, now they're going to deal me a winning hand. Well, you don't necessarily get the winning hand. Exactly. But we can do something with that hand, maybe. Absolutely. We can do something with that hand. And there's nothing, that's not, that's not scary at all. Knowing that you have a choice is actually empowering. So there's nothing scary about tarot. It's actually a way to empower you. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's it's I that's really wonderful to to leave with people and we have come to that time where I'm going to ask you what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you tonight Teresa Reed 
Oh, is that a question for me then? What do I want to leave? That is a question for you. What, you want to, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening? Oh, what a beautiful question. So what I would like people to know is that you've got this, and no matter where you are at this stage in your life, you can always, always turn things around. It's never too late. I believe that we are engaged in reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you for not just helping with the weaving itself, but it's as though you have come to decorate this weaving so that there are signs and symbols in it now that weren't there before. We are all reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients and wrapping it around ourselves. And Sarah Ellen, my love to you on Valentine's Day and every day for helping me in so many ways to put herbal medicine right back where it belongs as people's medicine. It's the medicine that's right outside your door. Green blessings, everybody. Good night. Love you, Susan. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.